It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and I'm delighted to bring you The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Starting March 3rd, you can listen to some of the most powerful life lessons. I really never thought of it that way. Brilliant breakthroughs and aha moments from the show that I believe was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. The podcast features hand-picked moments from the 4,561 episodes we taped over 25 years. I hope that these classic Oprah shows will help to continue to illuminate your path to all that you were meant to be. Subscribe to The Oprah Show, the podcast, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts and begin the journey to your best self. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Okay, so you're smart and you're strong and you're successful in every area of your life but love. What is it that keeps you from having a happy love life? This show today is going to help you unlock a lot of those fears, because that's really what it is, and recognize patterns that you keep repeating in the partners that you choose. And the beauty of this show is, is that it applies to everybody, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you're single, and whether you're looking, whether you're looking, you're single, looking to get rid of the man you already have, the woman you already have, everybody. In this hour ahead, we're going to look at a relationship that is just ending and one that is just beginning, and all the problems that happen in between. And guiding us through this hour is a man who has done really some incredible groundbreaking work with couples by helping to teach us to examine the patterns that we set up in our childhood. Now, once you get it, I'm telling you, it changes the way you look at the choices that you've made. Harville Hendricks is the author of Getting the Love You Want and the book Keeping the Love You Find. So, we've learned Hi. a lot from you. Thank you. Learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot from you. Oh, thank you very yes, much. Indeed. Now, I, one of the things I like about this is that there are a whole lot of cause and effects that you set up. Yes. One that concerns me is if you were abused as a child, you may pick an abusive partner or be an abuser yourself. Yes. That's uh, always the case. So whatever happens in childhood, whether it's mild or intense, there's something that's going to replicate itself in adulthood in an intimate partnership. Because the early childhood experience where there's a wound has to be repaired, and it always has to be repaired in a relationship in adulthood with somebody similar to your parents. Now, can't you get over that, though? Because, see, I believe that, that all of my relationships in my 20s and early 30s yeah. were, I continued the abusive pattern that I'd set up in my yes. childhood. Stedman is not an abusive person, so I think I've gotten over that. Yeah, and that's the clue when you're saying that in the 20s and 30s you began to work on some things in yeah. yourself. 
that, that means, yes, you can get over it, but only if you work on it. And yeah, you, because you interestingly enough, Harville, as you know, I've said this to you, <clears throat> when I first started, you know, dating Stedman, he was yeah. so kind to me, I thought something was wrong with yeah, him. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> thought, he, didn't, he didn't fit the early he patterns. Fit, he was yeah, supposed to be a more difficult person. Also, it was a little yeah. boring at and first. And a little boring at being first. Being treated right. so well. You're supposed to get that old bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was so used to being treated badly that when somebody treated me well, it was yeah. like, okay, so now you but think I've But what's amazing it. is that you stayed with the process. That many times when people meet a person who can I be constructive in their life, I had to but work you had to work it. that through. Because yeah. mm -hmm. often you throw that person away. They're too boring. boring. Meaning being treated well. You know, being I'd treated say, well. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And you throw them away because they're boring. They're treating us well. We're not getting the drama we got in childhood. Or right. we throw them away because we are getting the drama. Because we are getting the hurts. So it sounds like you stayed through that process of I going through the border. Thank you very much. You. <laughs> okay. Now, this is interesting. If you have a problem with trust, you probably grew up in a home. Anybody have a problem with trust? Okay. Okay. If you have a problem with trust, it's because... You grew up in a home where somebody probably left you or abandoned you. And so the trust issue true? of reliable people is replicated in adulthood. Really? So how do you then get over it? I know somebody's going through that. Well, one is like you. You have to work on it. And you can work on it in any number of relationships over time. The place where most people have to work on it is in the relationship they commit to. And they will always commit to find somebody who will be unreliable for them. And what they have to do is become conscious of that pattern repeating itself. And then the person who is unreliable has to learn to be reliable. But isn't it also true that if you grew up in a relationship where you were abandoned, either yes. emotionally or physically abandoned, your parents died or young or your parents divorced and you felt a sense of abandonment, that you can pick somebody and they're not really doing anything to cause you yes. to mistrust, but you are so, you, you have those buried feelings, you, right. so you all, all automatically think they're going to be not trusted, right. and then because you say that all the time, they begin to they react become, to, yeah. to and, do that. And that's, and that's a very common tactic, too. Really? And the technical term for that is projective identification. That means I project onto you that you're not trustful, yeah. and then after a while the person begins to be distrustful. Be distrustful. They begin to act like what you think they're going to act like. We Why say do you they do either that? you either pick them, provoke them, or project onto them. But if you had a <laughs> if you had a problem in childhood, you're going to pick somebody to help you redo it. If they don't, then you'll project onto them that they are, and if they're not, you'll provoke them into doing it. Because we have to resolve that issue. Okay, this is such important work that you're doing, and I've really learned out of all the shows that I've done, I think I've really learned the most from you, because oh. you were the person who started this. Thank you. And started, I think, the country thinking about how patterns that you set up in your childhood are always things that you repeat. Do you all get that now? Remember the very first show we did where people said, oh, no, my oh, parents don't have anything yes, to do with right. the person I married? Yes, and I remember you saying... Uh, childhood influences who you marry. Get it. Get it. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. If it's you beautiful. were smothered in your childhood, you'll fall in love with somebody who will smother you or you'll smother them or both. Yes. If you had a possessive, overprotective parent, mm -hmm. you'll resent that, but you'll internalize two different patterns. One is you'll grow up and you'll attract somebody who is uh, possessive, but if they don't start doing that, then you'll switch. In an adult relationship, you'll either act like the child that you did with your parents or you'll behave like the parents behaved toward you as a child. Isn't that fascinating? It's really fascinating, and it's so predictable. That until you, you break the pattern. Until you break the pattern, and you have to break the pattern by becoming conscious of it and then deliberately, intentionally saying, I'm going to back off and not be a possessive person anymore. I'm going to let this person have some space and that changes something in you, or you're going to say, 
you know, I've never asked for space before. I've been dominated and smothered and I've kind of yielded to it. I'm going to ask for space. But it has to become an awareness, a consciousness, and then a decision to act in a different way. Yeah, the magnificent thing about this, if you sit down and think of it, I mean, because I know a lot of people, because I've been in conversations with people trying to explain this, and everybody, well, a lot of people rejected it first. But then if you think about it, what you just said, either you be, you the child mm -hmm. or you are the parent. Or the parent. And the reason you are that way is because what? Well, because in childhood you absorb the parents and internalize them inside you just like a sponge takes parents in water. Parents whoever was the leading guardian. Whoever the caretakers caretaker. were that on whom you were dependent for. So you have that inside and then you have your experience of being a child with those persons. So in adulthood, when the stimulus comes to be in the child mode, you'll go, you'll regress or uh, somebody may be acting like a child, you'll shift to the parent mode. But that's your model. So you've internalized the model. model. And then so you behave out of the model you knew until... And, and people who deny it, you can't help but act like that because that's what you know. That's, that's what, what you know. Saying. That's okay. right. Okay. Now, if you were criticized as a child, what happens? Well, if you're criticized as a child, then you will marry a critic in order to maintain the relationship and resolve that. Or I'll be you'll naughty. become a very critical person. <laughs> or become a critical person. You'll become a critical person yourself. And you'll switch back and forth. If your partner isn't criticizing you so that you feel like a child, then you will find something to criticize in them, so you take the parent role and put them in the role of the child. Okay. If you were shamed in childhood. This is a really hard one, because if you were shamed in childhood, it meant you were made to feel bad, like you were bad. Not right. that you did bad things, right. but that as a person you're bad. And you will then grow up, uh, that's an unresolved problem. You'll look for a shamer in order to work the shaming issue through. That's the thing we have to say over or and over again. Or you'll do it to yourself. Or you'll do it to yourself, or you'll do it to the partner that you connect. And the whole thing is not that we just like repeating patterns. Pattern repeating is trying to resolve the pattern you're repeating. So we need to look at this as a positive attempt. And people, Peter Piper picked the pecker. Peter Piper picked the <laughs> Pattern repeating is trying to resolve the patterns you're repeating. That's right. That's right. You repeat it not to experience it again, but to not experience it again. You repeat it because you're trying not to. Because you're trying not to. And consciousness, but you, but you keep on doing it because you don't have another option. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. 
What I've learned is, is that, you know, the, the mistake that so many people mm -hmm. have made mm -hmm. is that they went into marriage with an idea of it yes. and expected the person to change somehow yes. or expected the person to fit their idea right. of what the marriage was going to be. But that person didn't know that your idea was this and my idea no. was that. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? you know, they're not walking around with your pictures in their head about who they <laughs> right. should be. So one of the things so. you, that you do in the book Keeping the Love You Find, one of the things I thought is that there's this whole questionnaire yes. where you get to write what you, what you expect, what he expects. Right. What, yeah, and we've done that. And when you get the writing, you become also aware that you have a picture in your mind. Sometimes you is. don't even know you have an ideal picture. But do you know what is so fascinating to me when I did that exercise, uh, excuse me for talking about myself, but when I did that exercise <laughs> is that I realized that I really didn't have, it makes me emotional thinking about it, I didn't have a picture of what marriage was because my parents never married. Uh. So it was very hard for me to answer those questions because I had no idea of what it's supposed to be or yeah. what that means. So no model inside right. your own mind about what marriage is supposed to be. So it had to be totally a construct. Yeah, so I'm making e it up. So you make it up either, <laughs> either from the pictures that are available in the culture or yeah. other people's or from your own imagination. But then even wherever you get the picture, when you get into the marriage, it doesn't fit the picture. So then you it try to... It doesn't fit the picture. It doesn't fit the picture. And then you try to get the person to fit the picture. That's what a lot of people have done. And they don't know that they're supposed to have a role in your movie or you in their movie. And uh -huh. so consequently, that's what produces the conflict. Now, we used to think that was a really destructive thing. What we're now beginning to understand that conflict is really natural. Right. That you can't avoid this process. It's natural. And it's the precondition for the kind of growth you need to do in adulthood that you fail to do in childhood. Because all relationships, especially intimate ones, are there to help teach you to grow. All That's all there they're there to for. Teach you to grow. Okay. Right. I want you to meet Dale and Carrie because after nine years of dating, eight years of marriage, <clears throat> they are now considering divorce. Did any of this uh, sound familiar to you? Quite a bit. Uh, until, I'll be honest with you, until you mentioned that about the critiquing, that if you had somebody that somewhat critiqued you during your childhood, that you might find somebody to critique you. Mm -hmm as an adult, until that moment, I absolutely had no idea. That's pretty much exactly what I did. While I'm sure it was meant to be positive in my growing up, there was a lot of critiquing, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, where I became so stubborn and decided to prove I was who I was. Yeah. And I did pick someone who critiqued. Yeah, I saw you shaking your head when I was speaking, so I know some of yeah, this Yeah, well, I know I'm very critical of her. Uh -huh. So that's exactly what you're talking and about. And you were criticized a lot as a child. In a lot of ways, it was for the betterment, but it was always, because I was always pretty stubborn. I uh -huh. kind of wanted to hold my own and be who I was, and even if it was a little bit different, so. And that's the interesting thing about criticism. It always comes from parents with their best intentions. Criticism right. is designed to improve you. Mm -hmm. right. But we, what we don't know is criticism actually results in injuring you. Well, and I also agree about the conflict thing, and it would be great if you could get it out earlier as a child, because I try that a lot with our son. You know, Drake, if you're angry, let us know, and this, that, and the other, because I think if you do hold it in your whole childhood, it does come out. It will come out. Later, yes. and where it shouldn't be coming out. Okay, so why are you all thinking of divorcing now? Because maybe after hearing all this, you could work the stuff out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe after. Yes. Uh, well, especially what you were saying about the critiquing. Honestly, that hit like, bam. Bam. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Absolutely couldn't believe it. Yeah. In a matter of lifestyle, too. We, we want different things. We want we're, different things. We're both strong, strong people. Stand up for our own rights so much that I think we forgot to melt. Right. We don't argue. We never had problems with fighting, arguing. It was mostly she wanted one thing in life and I wanted something entirely different. I live in Boca Raton, Florida, and I wanted to stay there and, and just enjoy that kind of a life. Carrie uh, wanted to be back in Chicago where her friends and her, you know, more activity mm -hmm. where she could go to things. And I didn't blame her on that. As she said, I couldn't bring myself to so doing it. Are you all going to divorce now? Mm -hmm. You're going to divorce. 
Now, what is it? You, there's something you say in the book. I forgot exactly the phrasing. That unless you really separate, unless you say goodbye to that, then you what? Something happens. Well, if you don't say goodbye to the relationship, or at least to the marriage, if you want to keep the relationship, then you will carry the unresolved issues of that relationship into the next relationship. The whole point in preparation for marriage, you need to finish what you didn't finish or what's left over from another relationship. And this goodbye process is a sense an essential ingredient in getting ready to go on to your next relationship or to go on to your life if you decide not to go on to another relationship, but to finish that. And so what we're going to do is a goodbye process, and you've decided, Carrie, that you're going to do the goodbye part, and I'm going to ask you to just listen to it and that may prompt you to do some mirroring back, to say back to her what you're hearing her say. Mm -hmm. Now, the structure is to start by saying goodbye to the bad stuff in the relationship that won't ever be again. So why don't you start with that? I'd like to say goodbye to being critiqued as often as I was, to always having to prove that I'm better than what you thought I was. And I'd like to say goodbye to some of the frugality that existed between us. And I'll be happy to say goodbye to the struggling with who I am on the one hand to make you happy and on the other to make me happy. Okay. So just you know. briefly, can you paraphrase back the part, the bad part she's saying goodbye to in the relationship? Sure. Actually, the critiquing, she's right. I. Yeah. And, and don't explain it. Just say, so I'm hearing you say, you're saying goodbye to the critiquing. Right. Just and mirror it back and paraphrase it back. To the living up to my standards instead of yours and doing what I want you to do. And uh, I really don't feel that any of that's true. No, However, no, I don't, don't want you to come. I just want you to paraphrase back <laughs> okay. what you're hearing. Because in the goodbye process, we don't want an argument. We just want her to, because this is her experiencing, want her to say goodbye to her side of this. Okay. And then we would ask you to say goodbye to all of the okay. bad stuff on your well, side. Okay? Yeah. So now shift to the next thing. What is the good stuff in the relationship that won't ever be again because of the uh, end of the relationship? I guess I'll have to say goodbye to the warmth and comfort I feel with you. I have to say goodbye to the great sense of humor we enjoyed. We both had a great sense of humor and an excellent, excellent friendship, I think, for a while in order for me to heal. Okay, so mirror that briefly. I hear you saying good, the good stuff you're saying goodbye to is? Is our relationship, our, our friendship, our being able to talk with one another. The others, our friendship, really, that we are good friends, very good friends. Mm -hmm. So now the next thing is the dream that won't ever come into being because of the end of the marriage. So would you say goodbye to the dream? I have to say goodbye to the dream of growing old together, losing our teeth, our hair, the whole routine. I really, I waited till I was 30 to get married because I really wanted to be right. I was so sure I was right. I really meant it when I took those vows. And the dream is that it's not going to be till death do us part. I have to say goodbye to that. So if I'm hearing you right, mirror that back. You're okay, saying goodbye to you're the dream. You're saying goodbye to the dream the fact that we could get old together and be old together and share our lives together and having a relationship forever or having a marriage forever. Now, say goodbye now. Uh, since I'm understanding you all are not saying goodbye to the relationship, you want to remain as friends, 
say goodbye instead to the marriage and anything you want to say about that to sort of say goodbye to it and to bury it. I'm going to say goodbye to the marriage. It is no longer. It's a real waste. It could have been wonderful, I think, if for a lot of different reasons, and it had its downsides to a lot, but it is history. And I am saying goodbye to it. Very missed opportunity in life, though. Yeah, so I, I heard, yes, that it is the waste, wasted uh, 16 years of, of friendship and relationship, and that she really, you know, uh, just seems that she's saying goodbye to the marriage. That, to the marriage. Uh, the marriage part, the being together To the part. marriage part, but mm -hmm. not to the relationship not itself. Not to the relationship. The mirroring technique is just to make sure that you were heard. Yes. Because in most cases, that's what most people just really want, is to know that you were heard. Is that correct? And without the, yes, and without the uh, mirroring back, you may think that you heard, but right. you respond to what you made up rather than to what was sent. So consequently, your behavior looks really crazy because right. it has nothing to do with what was said. Right. So that's why you have the person mirrored that's back to make sure that, mirror, that what they... you said was heard the way you said it. We right. want to be sure they got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So now we want to do the goodbye process okay. uh, with you. And um, so start again with what is the bad stuff? Start with the bad stuff that won't ever be again with the end of this uh, marriage. Okay. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do the mirroring process back. I want to say goodbye to feeling third and fourth choice. And, and tell her. Where... Our son came first, which was understandable, but her parents came second, her friends came third. And, and, and so your friends, your, your friends, friends, your parents. Came third, mm -hmm. and then me. In every consideration, in every way she y you, handled all you, of our... Say you. You. In every way that you handled all of our friendships, it was always your friends. My friends you didn't really care for, but it was always your friends. And I want to say goodbye to when you would come home from work, instead of saying hello to me, wave at me, go right to the phone, and call up your mother, and then your friends, and two or three hours later, got around to me. I want to say goodbye to when I would say, let's clean the house, let's get, you know, the floors, let's take care of it, and you would say, but I don't have any color today, I want to go by the pool, I don't have any color, and you would leave and go by the pool. So I want to say goodbye to all so that. So I want to say goodbye to all that, because okay. it was... Now, let me just stop you at that point, so we can get to the next piece of this, too, and ask you to briefly mirror that back. So if I've got it, you're saying goodbye to... If I got it, you're saying goodbye to being third, fourth, and fifth, my putting our son, which was understandable, but my family and friends ahead of you, that when you wanted to do things and accomplish things, I brushed that off to, and basically to sum it up, that I never, ever made you number one. Right. Did, did I get it right? Did I get it right? You got it right. Okay, now shift to the good stuff that won't ever be again with the end oh, of this marriage. So sad. Okay, the good say stuff. Say goodbye to that was a lot of fun, a lot of good conversations. And tell uh, it to her. Your enthusiasm about everything you did from who came in to work and who you talked to, and that I never had to really carry a conversation, that you could carry the whole conversation, that uh, you were always smiling, you were always up, you were never depressed, that we could go places and do things, and I never had to be embarrassed of you, or that you never would be... And let me just bring you to the close of that. Say goodbye to all of that, yeah. all the good stuff. Would you just say that? I'd like to say goodbye to all that and okay. more. If Quickly. I'm hearing you right, then you are saying goodbye to my very upbeat attitude, my enthusiasm for life, love, and friends, 
and the things that we were able to do together and share together. Am I hearing you correctly? Except for the friends, yes. Except for the friends. Okay. okay. And so let's just move on to the next piece oh, and, and not take time to, to correct that. And now would you say goodbye to your dream in the, in the marriage? Say, and I say goodbye and to say the goodbye dream. I say goodbye to the dream of being with you and sharing all the things that we've accomplished, you know, all the, the hardship that we went through so that we could go to Florida and retire and relax and enjoy our life. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying goodbye to the dream of the hardship of the years we've put together and the life that we've made for each other. Am I hearing you right? Yes. Okay. And uh, very quickly, and so now I say goodbye to the marriage. And now I say goodbye to the marriage. And say goodbye. 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 Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Even the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. Okay, joining us are Jay and Madeline. They've been going out now for about a year, but they already have some minor conflicts. She's shy, and he's the life of the party. <laughs> and how, how is that bringing about conflict, guys? When we go out, before we go out, I usually ask him who will be there and if there's anyone that I know will be there. And he gets mad at me that I ask him that. And I'm the type, well, he'll go to a party, he'll walk in. He won't know anyone, but he'll just talk to anyone. And I'm the type where um, I'll walk in, I'll talk to people, but it takes me a while to warm up. And isn't that what attracted you to him? Yes. <laughs> so why is there now he, conflict? Because he gets mad at me. For not being... For, well, he gets mad at me when I ask him questions, well, who's going to be there? See, the there? problem is, is, is I talk a lot, and I get along <laughs> with people. And when, I go to, when we go somewhere, I start going through the crowd and talking, to, and I just assume that everybody's like me. And I forget, sometimes after I start talking to everybody, I look back, and she's kind of like hanging around in a corner, doing yeah. a slow burn. All she wants to do is get me in the corner to yell at me. And she said, you know, you're, you know, you've left me here and you're having a good time. And I see, I think that everybody's like me because I talk, everybody talks. Yeah, I talk, I know. <laughs> yeah, okay, Harvard, what do you want to say about this? Well, first of all, we want to do, want to do an exercise about what to do with these frustrations when they do come up in the relationship. This is an easy thing to learn. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But it's essential in the preparation for a relationship that you may be going into or for one that you're in to convert the frustration. So, so if somebody's doing something that's really frustrating to you all the time, this is what you do? This is what you do okay. instead of what you usually do, which is, ah, you know, yeah. you're frustrating me. Nag, 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 nag. And, nag, and yeah. all of that stuff. And Madeline is going to communicate a frustration to Jay. Jay, it gets me really mad when we are going out that you jump down me and say, why do you get that way? I want to, um, it gets me mad that you know how I am, but you yell at me for how I, I am. So then the next process is to mirror that back so you're sure you've got it, Jay. So if I got it right. If I got it right, I, I understand that 
I shouldn't be getting all over you for, you know, not being more aggressive or, or not being as loud as I am. Did I get it? Did I get that right? <laughs> okay. Now we want you to change that frustration into what you would want instead, which if you had it, you wouldn't be frustrated. We call that the desire hidden in the frustration. Jay, when we go out, I wish that when we are at a party or somewhere where I don't know a lot of people, that you would come up to me, put your arm around me, and say, how you doing? <laughs> okay, so mirror okay. that back, Jay. <laughs> if I got this right, <laughs> uh, you would like me to, in the course of a party, maybe to come seek you out and put my arm around you or say, I, you know, are you doing all right? You've got that right. <laughs> Do I have that, that right? right. <laughs> okay. Now, I want you to refine it a little more and say how many, usually we should give a time frame to it, which is the practice, the training period. Like for the next uh, months, each time we're at a party, I'd like you to come up to me once or twice or three times or whatever. You kind of make it up, but this time it puts a time frame to it and a frequency to it. Okay? So we just make it more specific now and positive. Jay, for the next month, I'd like, when we do go to a party, I'd like you to come up to me and introduce me to people and to... How, to how many times? Well, once or twice? Or three times? Three times. Three times. Madeline, if I got it right, you want me to, in the course of the next month, we go to these parties to come up to you at least three times <laughs> and tell you that I'm thinking of you and that I know you're there. Do I have this right? Okay. And well, now, can I just stop you here and yeah. say and make note of how important this is? Well, the reason why this struck me, I don't know if it struck you guys too, is because so many times, like when she said that at first, yes. like I'd like you to come up to me at a party, you have in your own mind about how many times would make you comfortable. That's right. But he doesn't know what those times are unless you say it, but you assume that because you've now said, I want you to come up to me at the party, that he knows how many times. That's why the how many times, although it sounded a little corny, really was really... It's, it's effective and essential. It's the ultimately the critical part of it in, because in she has the picture in her mind. He's got to get it in his mind and then match the picture. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Right, because he could come up to her one time and, and, and that's in his mind what it was and she was saying, but you only came up once. Yes, and he that's said, well, I did it. Yeah. And, and, um, and then she's going to say. So the <laughs> close this off by thinking about this is a gift. Can you see yourself gifting her? Not a trade, not a bargain, not a deal, but a pure gift that you can give her that within that uh, time frame and that frequency as a practice and training period? Yes. Okay, so would you say that to her? Tell her okay. exactly what the gift will be. Your gift will be, <laughs> um, if I understand this right, from now on, for the next month when we go to an affair or party or something, I will try to find you at least three times. I will find you I three. Will, I will find I you three, three times. times. <laughs> and, sorry, I will find you three times and just Say, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, is everything all right? Okay, is that so right? you say, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, you're welcome. It's very important to, in this exercise of uh, changing a frustration into a behavior change request, that the response be a gift rather than a trade. Because right. often he could say, I'll do that if. Yeah. And if he says that, then it really negates it as a value to her. So that it has to be done as a pure gift. Okay, how do you stop choosing the wrong partners? Because people continue to repeat the same patterns. You know that, repeating the pattern because the pattern yes. you're repeating is about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way to stop choosing the wrong partner is a hard question to answer because the person that you're going to choose 
is the person that you're attracted to. Right. And the person you're attracted to is going to be somebody who is going to be a source of pain and frustration for you. And that's inevitable. So we'll just so keep doing it. That you'll just keep doing and why, it. Okay, let's just stop right there. Why is that inevitable? Why is it inevitable? Because you always pick somebody who's similar to your parents, and you'll bring to that person the unresolved issue with your parents, and you'll fall in love with that person. That'll be the person that's attractive to you. And that's the romantic part, that's though. The but romantic that romantic part. thing's going to go, isn't it? It's going to go in the relationship. To yeah. order to stop choosing the wrong partner, is that you have to begin thinking about becoming conscious yourself of the kind you pick, yeah. knowing you're going to, but start picking a person who is more conscious, more interested in what's going on in them, in their own patterns and relationship, so that you can talk with them about this rather than just act it out unconsciously, everybody just doing the same thing all the time. Become aware, is the person that I'm talking to now somewhat interested in how they interact with a partner? Or are they always blaming everybody else? You know, all women are the same, all men are the same. But they say, you know, sometimes I get upset and I blow my stack and I wonder why is that? Then you've got somebody who's probably, possibly conscious. And if you don't have somebody who is curious about themselves, you probably should keep looking until you find somebody who is curious about themselves. Okay, the problem is so many people choose a partner to fill the hole inside themselves. Yes. Isn't that correct? And, and that's true. You fill the hole inside yourself. and. But oh, you have to fill that hole. Well, not really. There's a certain truth in that, that the partner really has to respond to your needs. Marriage is a structure for healing. And if you do meet each other's childhood needs, you'll have the marriage of your dreams. And if you don't, you'll have the marriage of your nightmares. And you can predict that. That's, okay. The unconscious is pretty non-negotiable about the fact that there are certain needs that have to be met sometime in your life, and it's going to bring those needs to a particular person in adulthood who reminds you of your parents. Thank you very much for joining us. I've, I'm thinking I'm going to have a pretty nice marriage because of you. Thank you very much. I think much. you will. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. You can follow this podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show the podcast and i thank you for listening start clean with clorox because clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget <laughs> well Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.